Welcome to Infinite Possibilities, the Game Changer series with me, Dr. Marina Nani and Rich Human Magazine. If you look around and wonder how some people are so successful, so quick, while others still struggle, perhaps it's time to find out the inside story of personal brand strategies. Every story brings a new perspective, greater truths that sit at the core of personal branding. We go around the world together and talk with influencers, elite leaders, visionaries, artists, scientists, icons, and everyday heroes about the intentional decision to influence the public perception of their uniqueness and access infinite possibilities. Professor Grace, that is so beautiful. And because of Infinite Possibilities, um, which is a podcast we started on Clubhouse, we had so much joy listening to other people's stories, talking about their personal brand. Some people, when they joined Infinite Possibilities, didn't even realize they have a personal brand. We navigated through many months and weeks of understanding the new reality of communication. We manifest our ideas, our dreams, and the support we offer to others and how we connect with each other. At Rich Human Society, we came to the conclusion that personal branding is your story. It's that simple. And your story never ends. <laughs> your story never ends unless you want to end the story. And we are here to make sure you carry on your story. Also, we realize that sharing your story changes your story. And through our club, Rich Human Magazine Club, we had hundreds and hundreds of people sharing their story on the stage. We had hundreds of people sharing their story on our podcast, Rich Podcast. And then... We understood that sharing your story changes your story. So it is a process of us discovering the the true power of communication. George Bernard Shaw said that the single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. <laughs> we support the first one million stories to be shared on our community, which is a private community of conscious influencers. And we are putting one foot in front of the other and keep sharing amazing stories. At one point, you said sharing has healing powers. Could you tell us more about that? The human brain is designed in such a way that we are natural. If you study sociology, we and other areas we are natural we are natural storytellers and one of the best ways to heal is to share your story in the counseling therapeutic sessions the facilitate would ask tell us what happened and you are able to narrate your story and they use encouragers and other means to get you talking more. Because we realize that you have the answer within. And while telling your story, the answers can be revealed. So I'm glad you mentioned what's happening with Rich Woman Magazine. If I may use this privileged point to share that 
we have been using the podcast Healing Stars from Cars to Stars, where we facilitate persons navigating through their pain to the hope side of grief, where they can shine like stars so that they can lit they can light up you asked me earlier what Christmas is like in Jamaica is filled with light. And yes, when we share our story and we change from scars, we transfer that and we become stars. We light the path for someone who is coming behind. In counseling, there is what we call universality where it is at that point where while you're telling your story, especially in a group counseling session, you listen to the narratives and then you realize, wow, I am not alone in this. There are other people who have their stories, their trauma, and it seems even worse than mine. So it's important to tell your story and retell your story. So from the podcast, we also have what is known as the write and heal. So it's a three-day, three-step process. Dr. Maria and Dr. Maria shared about the steps, how to write your story, write a book in three days. And I share how to heal in three steps. And these three steps have been proven, the healing, the grieving, the restoration, with some small steps in between that make up the 21 phases or steps to true healing. And so we give people that opportunity to do it. And I could say by now, you may realize that my book but you may not. I will share that my book came out of my writing, my pain. It, during the time when my pain festered, and I'm using that strong word, festered, I had pain upon pain, and I was grieving the death of my mother years before it happened. And when she was buried, when she died, my life ended, so I thought, and I lived through that. Everything I did, I buried the pain in overwork. I went in overdrive. I learned that there were six men, strong men, who had to take me out of the sepulcher to place her body. I was grieved when she died. And then there were other situations like the normal everyday pain that you experience, the loss of opportunity, the loss of friends. And then when my sister died in, in 2007, that went in and it sunk deep within. I couldn't bear it any longer. No psychologist or psychiatrist, none could help me. So I thought, and I was a trained counselor. I had been treating with people, but my pain was so deep that I didn't think I could find someone to help. So I started writing. I wrote, 
I just write out my story. It so happened that it was so much. One day I printed it out and I was reading it. I left it on my desk and a student, a foreign student who was staying with me by the house. One morning I came out and I saw her in the living room and she was just sobbing. And I'm like, what happened? Did you get news from your family that something went wrong? What happened? And she said, she said, Auntie Grace, Auntie Grace, you don't know. Auntie Grace, you don't know. Auntie Grace, you don't know. And when I looked in her hand, it was the, the printout of what I'd written. I called one of my colleague, Dr. Pernell Bell, and I said, listen, I did something. I used my story and the therapeutic modalities and the techniques, and I treated myself as if I were the client and a counselor was working with me through my grief process. And this is what I saw happen with this young lady. And she said, send it to me. And I send it to her and she said, no, Grace, you got to get this out. And that's how my book was polished and published. And I say polished and published because there are several things in it that I had to just treat with it. And just by narrating the story, I got through it. So I became an expert in grief and bereavement, not because of my training, which I do have, but also because of my experience. So I use an autobiographical approach to treat with it and persons who may be listening to this podcast, maybe listening to this later on, or persons who are here, if there is something for which you have not yet grieved. Like Dr. Maria asks, how important it is. It is as important as laying on the train track that is less than a thousand feet coming towards you, and you decided that at that moment, I want to live. And you would jump, take the leap, and grieve because you must, if you need to heal. Thank you, Doc. I hope that answers your question. Answer absolutely beautifully. So thank you so much, Professor Grace. So now I, I picked up from what you said, something that is really so important, I think, is one of the most important aspects or dimensions of communication is hearing what isn't said. How, how do you learn how to hear something that wasn't said? Very important question. You see what is not placed before your visible eyes and you hear what is not said. I give you an example. If someone is going through, especially domestic violence issues, and they say to you, Please, I just want to share something with you that's been happening to me. But please don't tell anybody. We have grown in our space to recognize that what they are actually saying to you should be interpreted. Help me, please, but don't let it hurt me. Help me, please but don't let it hurt me. Too often, people who, after they sometimes battered and hospitalized or even killed, somebody, a neighbor, a friend, a, a sibling would say, 
But thinking about it, I could have sensed that something was wrong. And that's what it means. Hear what is not said. They are talking to you and you hear the tone of their voice. You hear the pain points, the emphasis that is placed on certain words or not the place on certain words. It's an art that you develop over time, having listened to so many stories, and you don't have to be a professional therapist to know it. But most times it's the trained ear that could pick it up. So here, what is not said is listen to the undertones of what the person is saying and ensure that you respond. I'm not saying react, because most times when we hear what is not said, our reaction would be, I, would, I, I, I wish I could do something to this source of your pain. But a response would be, how can I help you to find the right support through your pain? That's my answer, doctor. I take from your answer that communication is basically about human connection, creating human connection. We live in a digital <laughs> space, and I'm so grateful for Clubhouse giving us the chance to get closer, to get to know each other, to start with listening to, to each other. Coming back to the fact that we all live in the cloud and we don't know for how long we won't be able to travel, we, we never know uh, that all we have is right now, right here with you. So I'm going to take advantage of having you with us, Grace, in the, the stage. Thank you so much for your your beautiful contribution, everything you do throughout your life. What can you tell us about the way we nurture human connections? Very important question, Dr. Maria. When the pandemic began, most people put their life on halt, some by choice, others just by the circumstances. And in this space, we find that individuals were, the communication was limited to just an expression of what's happening around them and so on. But then we realized that this is a space that we need to do <laughs> online funerals online therapy, online connection. So I would say it's very important for, let me, let me link it with the process of healing as we are relating to that also this morning. It's important that we continue to be involved in the rituals. Normally in Jamaica, and most Caribbean and African nations. I know other nations, but it is more prominent. They have what we call gere, nine night, and those kinds of things during the time of one being bereaved. And a lot of persons would be ailing and not being able to treat with their pain to bring closure to what happened when the pandemic happened and the persons died and they had to be buried immediately. Some people didn't see their 
loved ones and the government would have taken charge of the funeral and all of that. It's very important. I'm starting there and I'm coming back to those of us who are alive. Be involved in the rituals. The same thing that you would do regularly. Yes, you can't be physically dropping the stone and all those kind of things with the greater. You can do some of them, whatever it is. Do it online. Post your rituals online. Seek individual or group therapy online. You can do that. Most importantly is that we ought to embrace our humanness and express compassion and we can do that online. Find a way to send a TikTok, a WhatsApp, do a Zoom with family. Our family, since the pandemic, every Saturday we meet. And even though we are able to go out, we still meet for 45 minutes to one hour, sometimes more, just to connect with individuals. Because the truth is, Dr. Maria, we have only today. So many of us, we clench so tightly to our pain that we do not open our hands to express the love or to receive the love. So send an affirmation. Receive an affirmation. Send a virtual hug. Receive a virtual hug. Keep connecting with your family members so that if and when they would have been, there would have been a separation, whatever means, you can hold on to the memories because it says grief is the price we pay for love. So the more deeply we love, sometimes the more deeply we grieve. But for others, the more deeply we love, the less the pain, the less money, well, you are able to manage the pain better because you would have loved and you would have given all that you have gotten. So you would have loved on reserve. That's what I would say because we are going to be living with this mixed modality of communication forever and more so online based on the trends that are happening and effective communication is one of the most necessary tool that we need to survive to live to thrive career through our healing to the selling our products. And I, I know that we have come to the point where we agree that we don't sell products, we sell ourselves. And the best way to do it is through effective communication. And effective communication, according to Les Bonnie, says never tell a story without a point and never make a point without a story. Effective communication is being able to send the message. The message is received as was intended and a response is um, sent back. 
and that response is received in line with what was sent out. So I'm saying that learning, using the technology and whatever means to keep your connection with individuals, because too often when people die, they don't cry about what they have left in the bank. They don't cry about not being able to go to work. It's about the quality, not even the quantity, but the quality of time that was spent with loved ones. That's what becomes most important. I truly hope that answers your question in light of the conversation for today. Grateful for this, uh, Professor Grace. What is the role of compassion when it comes down to communication? We all experience times when the pain was so profound that we couldn't even speak about. And very few or if anyone knew what we are going through. Personally, I am a good newsmaker, so I will never share anything that is not good news because I have this belief, everything that happens to me happens for me. We are human and kind, and it's easy to be both. Just to remember that we are born with compassion. What is the role of compassion? when communicate. Thank you for that question, Dr. Maria. Compassion, the role of compassion when communicating is being able to see things through the other person's eyes. As a matter of fact, your most effective communication is cushioned with compassion. And I'm going to use an example to explain. (laughs) One of my friends, he lost everything, including his wife and some of his children in a fire. And his father flew over, visited with him, And when his father got there, he said to me in in a response to a question I asked him, what's the most memorable moments you've ever had with your dad? And he said, Grace, it was that incident. When my family died, my father came and he hugged me. We embraced each other, his head on my shoulder and mine on his. And we embraced for probably 15, 20 minutes, but we just embraced each other. He held me. I felt him. When he was finished, he held me by the shoulder and he pushed me slightly away and he looked me straight in the eyes and he said to me, I hope you heard all that I have said. And that was after the embrace 
they exchange not a word. But he said, I hope you heard all I said. And he heard, he heard it. He felt the love, the compassion in that embrace. Compassion, the first time I researched the word compassion, I found a definition that I will never forget. It says, compassion is like seeing someone falling off a cliff. You are heading out to help this person, to save, to rescue this person with the knowledge that in reaching out to support them, the possibility exists that both of you would fall off the cliff and die. And yet, you do it anyway. That's the best way I could help to share the value of compassion, communication. Let them feel you. Let them hear the authentic self saying, I care about you. I care for you. Let them have the reassurance that they are going to be taken care of. Let them have the reassurance that there is hope. Let them sense that they truly belong. And let them know that they are not alone and they will never have to suffer through this by themselves in other space. Just let them feel you. That's the role of compassion in communication. How important is self-perception within the process of communication? How is that impacting your communication with others and how others respond to your communication and how the world reacts to what you communicate? What is the role of self-perception? Self-perception has everything to do with how you are treated, how you are responded to, and how the world embraces you. I know this space we are in this morning, we are talking about grief, but it, it spans across anything. You, what you think, you are and what you think you are. So I can tell you that you are brave, you are empowered, you are filled with energy, you are capable, you are able. But if you don't see it for yourself, it's If you don't see it for yourself, it has no meaning, no significant significance whatsoever. 
But when you see yourself in light of what hearing from within and feeling and knowing who you are, you cannot but succeed. You cannot but see yourself anchored. You cannot but see yourself as that special person with that special gift that nobody else has. But you cannot recognize that you are the only one in this world if you were to walk the entire globe and touch the hands of the persons, everyone you inter with whom you interact, you will never find another you. You can't embrace your uniqueness. And so you will continue to be the midget. That's what they call, you know, some names. You'll continue to be. And because it is so important, words are so important when you hear them. I don't want to call the negative words. Because it is so powerful when you tell yourself those words and you hear them and believe them, you become them. I think it's Maya Angelou who said that we are not challenged by... I'll take a few seconds to, to recall the poem. But basically, who is it that say you are not fabulous? And you cannot be. It is not your weakness that defines you, basically. It's the light that you have within you that frightens you. We have to own that and see it. And then we can become it. And I could tell you stories on how I've seen persons transformed just by being able to see themselves in a different light. The numerous persons who have moved from, from dust <laughs> to stardust, you would say, Dr. Maria. And I'm talking about the scardust to stardust, if I were to say that way. But self-perception is quite important. See yourself what you ought to be, what you were born to become, and what you desire in the positive light. And that will transform your life and put you places where you never would imagine. But see yourself as incompetent. You'll never get anywhere. I, I, I really hope that helps. It really does. I always believe that your life could go as far as you allow your imagination to take you. And you mentioned the power of words. I really believe in the power of words. And we have this tremendous superpower as humans, the power of words. In the next 24 hours, 
it's a time of celebrations and we we understand how beautiful celebrating is but in the next 24 hours each one of us have the chance and the possibility the infinite possibility to create your own thought in the next 24 hours every day another 60 thousand, 70,000 thoughts go into your mind and that you are the only one deciding the words, building those thoughts. And if you think that 365 days a year, and if you think that the decades ahead of you where you can practice this every single day, what, what is the power of words? How the superpower we have as humans choosing our own words, that impacts the way we communicate with others and ourselves. Wow. Dr. Maria, I encourage you to share this. It's going to be short. Linking with the last question you asked, then I'll move into this. After my mother died, I went into panic. I was offered a job to work in a store. When I got there, they told me it's a housekeeping job. I humbly took the job and went there. The challenges of abuse started. Fortunately, I was trained and and was able to understand the signs. This gentleman sat me down and he taught me how I could live in the house as his second wife without his wife knowing. Needless to say that he would have been the first person for whom I would go to prison for a a man, a woman's husband, because I picked up the instrument from the kitchen because that's where he attacked me. And I am sure it was Angel Gabriel that held the hand so that he would not be sacrificed like the lamb. And I left there, went into the town of Montego Bay, popular tourist place, and stayed with a friend. And things just keep happening. And when the last straw, I decided the drugs, the sex, all of that's what's coming at me. Why am I being Christian and just stay in this realm, in this space, and suffering? I am going to, we say, bust out. I'm going to break out. And Dr. Maria, I went to a church this Saturday. I pressed my hair. I got my hair done the Friday night. I was the prettiest girl in town on Saturday morning from a kinky hair to whatever transformed. And I was destined. That would have been my last church activity. And I sat in the back of the church and the preacher telling you the power of words and also we talk about self-perception. Um, when the preacher was in the pulpit delivering the message, he looked to the back of the church and he saw me. And he said, what is that? Grace Kelly, stand up. And I stood and the man allowed me to stand. And he told the church everything about me and my family, how Christian we are and how noble. And then he said, these are his exact words. Look at her. Every eye in that church was on me. And he said, her statue depicts 
her character. I am six foot tall, tracking young lady. Her statue depicts her character. And that's one of the moments that words transformed my life. I later learned that in the Himalayan islands, they have some huge trees. And when they are cutting them, when they need to cut down, they call on the community and they circle the tree and they hurl negative words at the tree. And in days, the tree rot from inside out. That's how powerful words are. And that's why we need to be careful of the spoken words to ourselves or to others. Because every word, it changes the molecules, it changes our thinking, and it can empower or it can destroy. What do we want our words to do for us and for others? Think of it before we say it. I had to share that. Very grateful, Professor Grace. In my mind is no question that every single word you use is like planting a seed and nurturing that seed could grow it into a fruit-bearing tree. But more, more than anything, I see the mind, the human mind as a magic garden. <laughs> and I, I just wonder, how can you cope with, with minding your, your garden, the garden of the mind, after tragic events during periods of grief. This episode is sponsored by MTN Press. MTN Press is the publishing house behind niche publications like Rich Human, Sovereign and the Quantum of Light magazines, all British brands with a global reach. They deliver the good news straight to the desk of decision makers, the CEOs, presidents, CFOs, consultants, investors, influencers, bankers, PR agencies, heads of global operation to name just a few. They also offer specialized support through a range of bespoke services, tools and systems to help publishers like you grow both their presence and business. Whether you are running a blog, a niche magazine or thinking to start one, their expert knowledge in the world of publishing can give you the tools and the expertise and the confidence you need to succeed. Check them out at mtnpress.co.uk or follow the link in the episode description.